Welcome and thank you for listening to the CRC podcast brought to you by Pastor Ad Boschel. We believe that God is working across this platform to bring each and every believer revival throughout their entire lives. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. How many people here tonight, you have a dream, you have a vision? Lift your hand, how many of you are believing God for great things that are still uh, to be done in your life? The Bible says the people who know that God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. I'm going to talk to you tonight on the subject of God's timing. Uh, sometimes you go into a bookstore and there are titles like Quick Success. How many of you will buy that book? <laughs> you want a mushroom? It takes 24 hours. You want an oak tree? It's going to take 100 years. Or how to mature quickly. Or how to see your destiny come to pass overnight. How many of you believe a book like that will sell? Yes, it's going to sell. But how many of you know that book is going to mean absolutely nothing? Because there is no such thing in the Bible as overnight success. Except if you're a, 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 a drug dealer, a, a, a diamond smuggler, or you work for the... I didn't say it. You put in there whatever you wanted to put in there. Give me good sounds. I don't have to shout all the time. Thank you. So, uh, I want to talk to you about God's timing. Something that we grapple with, wrestle with all the days of our life, as young people especially. And tonight my message very simply is God's timing is perfect. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1, the Bible says, To everything there is a season. Everybody say a season. A time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born. How many of you can say relate to that? A time to die. How many of you can relate to that? None of you. But you're still here. A time to plant. A time to pluck what is planted. Farmers understand that. A time to kill and a time to heal. We kill disease and we heal physical bodies. A time to break down and a time to build up when we renovate a building or whatever. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn, a time to dance. A time to cast away stones. A time to sell your property. A time to sell your, your uh, Bitcoin or whatever coin you have. Uh, walking with the Holy Ghost to sell your investment. And a time to gather or a time to buy. So you have to walk with the Holy Ghost. There's a time for everything. Actually, life is a series of seasons, cycles. And we have to understand the cycles of God and work with the cycles of God, not against. Now, many of you know, you're not born one day, you're a toddler the next, then you're five-year-olds, then you're a preschooler, then you're in primary school, then you're in high school, then you're in university, and then you're 80 years old. So even natural life teaches us that to grow up takes time. Somebody say, it takes time. Say, to get to my destiny. Say it. 
it's going to take time. I know you don't want to say it because you're young, because you, you don't want to talk about time, because you want everything yesterday. You don't want to start as the clock in that law company. You want to get your degree and you want to be a junior partner the first week that you start working. And that's just not reality. You want to be a specialist without going through the process. There's a process if you are going to do anything great for God. And the greater God's calling is upon your life, the more testing the, the process of preparation will be. So people say, I have a great dream. And I think always in the back of my mind, I say, well, that's great, but you have a great journey that's awaiting you, Joseph. Not the journey you're gonna choose, but the journey that God has chosen for you, the journey that will purify you, that will test you, that will either make you or break you. That's why many people quit on Christianity. They become disillusioned. They put God in a timetable and you're never gonna be able to do that because God is infinite. God is not caught up in our time. People put dates and calendars and they say, by the time I'm 25, I wanna be a millionaire. I'm gonna retire when I'm 40. And then, yuck, 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 yuck. You retire the day they put you in the grave. Everybody over the age of 50 or 60, shout amen in Jesus' name. Uh, Caleb still uh, uh, conquered his final mountain when he was 85 years old. So he says, there's a time to gain and there's a time to lose. So life is not just about victory, but sometimes we learn in, in our losses as long as we don't lose all the time, because that will mean you're a loser and you're not. You don't come from Lucifer. You come from Jesus Christ who rose from the grave. Hallelujah. So it doesn't matter how many times you get knocked back or down. Success means you get up one more time with determination and without finding crutches, which are excuses. There's a time to keep and a time to throw away. There's a time to tear and a time to sow. There's a time to keep silence. Hello? You know when your wife's voice goes, sorry woman, when your wife's voice goes to that certain pitch that the Bible talks about, better to dwell in the wilderness, that's the time to keep silent. A soft answer turns away the wrath. Or brother, you're going to end up working or going to the wilderness or living on the rooftop. There's a time to be silent, a time to speak. I've learned this. Um, Sometimes people ask us like the stupid thing they call the shutdown, which never was a shutdown. It was only a shutdown because the media gave it so much publicity. It was actually absolutely nothing, had no impact, meant nothing. And people said, why is the church silent? Because it was the time to be silent. It wasn't COVID. It wasn't a challenge. It was something somebody said that the media magnified. So we chose to be silent because we knew there would be no impact on the church and the future of South Africa. Uh, on a long weekend. Okay, I've just offended you with your uh, uh, political belief, but that's your problem. Really, I don't mind. Because next year, you're going to change your affiliation in any case. There's a time to love and there's a time to hate. We hate sin, right? But we love the sinner. There's a time for war. Uh-huh. You mess it with me, I mess it with you. Ah, oh, just chill out, please. Take a chill pill, gospel. Right. And there's a time of peace. 
so COVID was a time of war for us to fight for the reopening of the church safely. We chose it. It's a time which is subject to God's purpose. And you have to hear that because you're going to hear the word purpose a lot. Because God's timetable has everything to do with God's purpose for your life. Not your purpose, not your plan, not your dream, but God's greater purpose with your life, which is always for the benefit of other people. You are not the sole beneficiary of your dream and your vision. Oh, you can give a better hand clap than that. You are not the sole beneficiary of your vision and your dream. That is not a vision, that's selfish ambition. A vision will always take you to a place where you can improve the lives of other people. Vision is never self-centered, it's always Christ-centered. That's why the process is not a process where you are magnified. It is a process where you have to break, where you have to fall into the ground and die so that you can rise in newness of life and follow Christ so that when God blesses you, it will be for the glory of God. Now, young people don't understand that because it's all about feelings, wonderful feelings. It's all about me. It's about my time. You hear how people talk. I mean, the first thing um, a, a toddler learns, the first words they learn, mine. Right? Mine. Some of you are still toddlers. You're 50 years old and you're worse than Angelique's toddlers because we taught them. There's no such thing as mine. Whatever God gives you, He's there to share for other people. So the word my, the word I has to die. And that's why God takes you through, through a process so that you don't think life is all about you. That's why the process is required. That's why the journey will be one of, you don't like this word, suffering. When you're on the shelf and you don't understand why, when you're not getting what you think you deserve, when things are not happening as fast as you want them to happen, when you suddenly find yourself in a wilderness, when you go from your mama's house where your mother just blew smoke up your ear until they told you how great you were, as false as a canary, no, a hardy dar, you wrote in the idols competition, you thought you were gonna win because your mama was never honest with you. And our education system is not honest with people. They tell everybody you'll equal and that's just not life, my brother and my sister. The person that wants to go to the top is the person that climbs the mountain. And you're not gonna climb a mountain in your timetable. You are gonna climb the mountain with a lot of pain, with a lot of tribulation, with thoughts of quitting, thoughts of wanting to give up. But it's the person who keeps on climbing, the person that climbs when everybody else sits down. That's the person that will reach the top. And by the way, you won't reach the top by yourself in any case. Maybe if you climb Naval Hill or maybe Table Mountain, but if you want to summit Mount Everest, it's a whole nother level of dependence on God, understanding who you are, understanding your capability, having confidence in yourself. Confidence, confidence. And that's what life does. The process of life refines you, it tutors you, it builds you, it causes you to grow up and to be ready for God's assignment. So God may take 50 years to prepare you for three years of tremendous impact. But we want three years of university and then we want to be a director of a company or we start a company where you are the director 
and there's nothing in the company. And on your business card, you say CEO. CEO of what? It's like the person who calls himself a pastor and he has no congregation. He's not a pastor. He's somebody out for a stroll because he has nobody following him. So your title doesn't make you. Your influence and your impact and the fruit that you produce is what determines who you are. Not what you say. A lot of clink clanging cymbals. A lot of people make a lot of noise who have absolutely no substance. That's why you can never have substance without suffering, without pain, without going through the journey of life. Why, Lord? Why has this happened? Where, God, where are you? It is called part of life. And you either go through it and embrace it through God's grace and you grow up and become somebody that will reflect the glory of God, not yourself, but God's glory. Every time you tweet, every time you post, every time you TikTok, people don't see you, they see God in you. Say amen, young people, come on. Because all these fleshly carnal things are coming down. I said, all these fleshly carnal things are coming down. All these fleshly carnal things and the agenda that these people are trying to promote all, the, all over the world, are coming down because God said, I will build my church. God said, my kingdom will be an ever increasing kingdom. Listen, God's going to remove governments. God's going to remove uh, presidents. God's going to remove prime ministers. God's going to disrupt this whole world order before the return of our Lord Jesus Christ so He can prepare this world for a great revival. And everybody that is in opposition to the move of God, I don't care how smart, how intellectual, how intelligent you are, God's going to pass you by. God's going to move past you. You are going to resign. You're going to get out of God's way and God will have His way. Come on, Africa. Say amen. Because we see it happening. Africa is standing up. You have to stand up. You have to celebrate your future. You have to rise up out of the ashes and believe the best is yet to come. Come on, everybody stand to your feet if you believe it and give the Lord a praise. It's okay. So he says, what profit is the worker from that in which he labors? You know, I, I love the book of Ecclesiastes, Proverbs. I read it all the time because Solomon was the wisest man who walked this earth apart from Jesus Christ. And you can learn a lot. He says, good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. It's vanity. It doesn't make sense. It happens. There's no explanation. It's you may build a great ministry, a great business, but the person who comes after you, you don't know whether he's going to take it further or mess it up. It's vanity. You don't worry about everybody else's business. You get on with your life. How do we know that your children are not going to waste your inheritance? We don't. Until they receive the inheritance. That's why many parents try to tie their children from the grave. Because they're waiting for the children to grow up. Which means they are looking for signs of maturity. Which equates to what? The acceptance of full responsibility. The buck stops with me. If I say I'm going to move something from here to here, I'm going to move it. And no devil, no excuse will stop me. I'll get the job done. Now we know that you are mature. You are growing up because your word is not an empty word. When you say it's going to get done, we can bank on it. We can count on it. If you say I'm going to start that, you start it and you finish it. If you say, because my brother, you're not better than your word. You are your word. So uh, 
One thing young people have been taught to do is to talk. Taught to do is talk. But I think it's time to get silent and to do. Amen. Hello. 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 <laughs> hey, whose funeral are you having now? Just made me remind of, remember, uh, it made me think of when you used to go to the show and you go through that horror house. Yeah. The, the way to heaven is paved with good intent, or the road to hell is paved with good intentions. A lot of good people that every year say, I'm going to do this, and they never get it done. Next year, I'm going to do this, they don't get it done. Three years later, they say that same conversation. What's that? If you can't even take yourself serious, who in the world will ever take you serious? If your word that comes out of your mouth is not what you commit to, who in the world can commit to anything that you say? That's why we have to go to the wilderness so we can actually see who we are. So that things get stripped away from us, the layers that this world have placed upon us especially in some form of charismatic church, religion, whatever you want to call it, that tells everybody how great they are. But when you look at what those people do, they actually do nothing, no impact. There's just absolutely nothing. So when you go through the wilderness experience, all those layers are stripped from you. It's like Jacob who was in the wilderness wrestling with the angel and the angel said, what is your name? Now let's be honest. Because you talk, talk, talk. Your whole life you've been talking, 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 talking. But now, we all know you're a deceiver. We all know you're a liar. We all know you're a cheat. We all know that your character is not what it should be. So he has in confrontation with the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ in the Old Testament. And he's left alone, which is a place people don't want to be. But it's a place that everybody has to go. Where you wrestle with God. You wrestle with God. And I'll tell you there's one winner, buddy. It's not you. No matter how powerful you are, when you get into that place, when you wrestle with God, you lose every time. You can walk away from that wrestling match and keep your pride and keep your, your dignity, whatever you think it is, but you will never learn how to walk humbly, dependent on God's grace and do great things for God because God's not going to share His glory with everybody, anybody. So I say this to young people, the sooner you can have your encounter with God and you can wrestle with God where God can strip those layers, the bulldust. I don't want to say another word. Strip all the bulldust, all the layers of make-believe, all the layers that is fake, all the layers of low self-esteem, the layers of inferiority, the layers of victim mindset, the layers of excuses. All those things have to be stripped away from you. And the only way is in the wilderness, is in the place where you wrestle with God and you discover 
who God is and who you are. Well, let me reverse it. You are first going to discover who you are. And then you're either going to live with an inferiority complex or you're going to say, I don't like who I am, God. And you throw yourself on the rock and you become broken and you allow Jesus to build you layer upon layer upon layer upon layer. Because unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. Every Christian after you are born again, you have to cast yourself willingly upon that rock and you have to be broken and you have to allow Jesus Christ to have His his way with you. You have to go through the fiery furnace. I know this is not popular charismatic preaching, but this is the Word of God. You have to allow Jesus to strip away all the emptiness, all the flakiness, all the fakiness, everything that is not of God. And then He will put His layers upon you. And He will put His mark upon you. And you will leave that place like Jacob, no longer a deceiver, a swindler, a cheat, a liar, making deals to get ahead in life. You will leave that uh, meeting, that place in God as Israel, a man blessed by God, a prince with God. And from that day, you will have impact in your world. But there is no shortcut. There is no book. There is no recipe. There is no seven steps. There is no, uh, 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 go to a conference, go to this motivational course. You're going to need much more than that, my friend. You're going to need to discover God. You're going to need to discover yourself. You're going to have to break before God. And sometimes that takes a long time. Like it did for Moses, 40 years in the wilderness. I said 40 years from Moses being a prince in Israel to wandering in the wilderness. All the layers of arrogance, confidence in the flesh was stripped away from him till he had his encounter with God at the burning bush. And he was at such a low place in his life that God had to have an honest conversation with him. And God remade him. God rebuilt him. God made him the man that would be a deliverer. Somebody that had no confidence. Somebody that had given up on his destiny. Somebody that lived as a failure. Somebody that was afraid. Somebody that ran away from God when he had an encounter with God and a discussion with God. And he made excuse upon excuse upon excuse. God says, I've had it with you, Moses. I've eradicated every excuse. Now you be my man. You be my woman. I've called you. I've assigned you. I've appointed you. I'll give you Aaron. But you are going to deliver my people. Because that's my plan, my purpose for your life. Come on, somebody shout like you have not shouted before. In Jesus' name, young person. God's waiting for you. Not to run with a crowd. But to cast yourself on the cross, cast yourself on the Christ, cast yourself on the rock. Go through God's plan, God's process. And remember this, His process with you is not the same as His process with your best friend. That's why you cannot walk with God and your friend. You walk with God and then God gives you your friend. Problem with some of you is you've never been broken. And that's painful. Make a lot of noise with that impact. Is he here for not? So you want to be the greatest generation, there's a process. Joseph has a great dream. 
two nights in a row a great dream of rulership. How long does it take him to see that dream fulfilled? 17 years. Through what journey? Not the journey he chose. A journey of betrayal. A journey of slavery. A journey of human trafficking. A, a journey of imprisonment. A journey of, 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 a, of, of God, where are you? But we read, in part of his house, God was with him. In prison, the Lord was with him. All the time, God was with him. But he has this dream. Sometimes we talk about dreams as if it's just like, like a little fairy tale. And we never are committed to become the person that can fulfill the dream. I say this to pastors all the time. Before God can ever build your church, God has to build you. And before God has to build you, listen, He has to break you. Because He's the potter, you are the clay. You cannot tell God what He should do. Paul the Apostle says in the book of Romans, Shall the thing cause us the thing form? Say to he who formed him, Why hast thou made me thus? He's the potter, we are the clay. So you want to see God's destiny fulfilled in your life? You better get to the potter's wheel. You better get to the fiery furnace. You better get yourself in the hands of God. You better stop making your excuses in your mind all the time. You have to get desperate. Cry out to God. Cry out to God. Cry out. You have to cry out to God until something shifts. Something is taken away from you so that God can rebuild you. So that God can rebuild layers upon your life. So that when you do something for God, it will be for the glory of God. Come on, some person over the age of 60 that knows what I'm talking about. Give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. I mean, I had, since the day, I mean, how much time do I have? Two minutes. Um, it's not an arrogant statement. But since the day I got saved, the presence of God has been very heavy upon my life. I lived in the house with my pastor, three other people. When I prayed, people could not even come close to my room. The glory and the presence of God was so strong. Same in my house, etc. It's always been like that. So the hand of God was so strong upon my life. But in my mind, I thought I'm just going to get up and there's going to be thousands waiting for me. And who waited for me? Six. But I preached like there was a thousand. But there were only six. And the six didn't become a thousand overnight. In a year, six became 30 something and 23 moved. And I had to start all over again. And every Monday I wanted to quit. And say, I have a dream to be an evangelist and to preach all over the world. And I got that opportunity, but God knew I wasn't ready. I say, God knew I wasn't ready. God knew I wasn't ready. God knew that boy needs the wilderness. That boy needs to be broken. That boy needs to learn who God is. That boy needs to learn that ministry is not about his ego. Ministry is about the glory of God. Come on, somebody. Say amen in Jesus' name because it's in the wilderness where you will be humbled, in the wilderness where you will learn how to live dependent on the grace of God in Jesus' name. Then you will be unstoppable. You will not be phased by what happens. Your emotions will not get the better of you because you've been broken in Christ and you've been rebuilt in Christ. And when you stand up, it is Christ who sustains you, Christ who protects you. On television, listen to me tonight. God is building you. God has a future for you, but you better run back to Jesus and throw yourself upon the Lord Jesus Himself. My God have mercy on you in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a praise. Come on, hallelujah. Hey, I am tired of seeing young people with dreams 
great callings upon their life and all they do are small little things they shuffle around. Get hungry, get desperate and get yourself in the presence of God where God will break you. I don't mean God's going to smash you. I mean you are going to break in the presence of God. You are going to have honest conversation and only God can do that. Your wife cannot, your mama cannot, your husband cannot. You need that encounter with God where you have God deal with your deep secrets that you are hiding from everybody else. The thoughts that neutralize you. The emotions that you are not mastering. You put on a mask before everybody else. But God knows exactly who you are. And if you don't let God get a hold of you, you will be like everybody else, average. And God never called any one of us to be these little average underperformers, achievers. He said, by this my Father is glorified, by, my, by you bearing much fruit. But there's no fruit without death. Ah. There's no fruit without death. There's no life without self-denial. There's no following Christ without leaving your, your past behind you, whatever the past represents. There's no easy. Jy kan toi toi van nou tot volgende jaar niks gaan verander nie. En ek bedoel, of jy nou wit, zwart, geel, pink is, en as jy nou denk, ek praat verkeerd om in Afrikaans te raad, sê ek nou vir jou, al jou toi toi op um, sociale media, jou vingerkies wat so toi toi, beteken niks. Want jy bly die salamens. You know, people come and they think, if I move to that city, things are going to be different. No, you're taking yourself with. Nothing is different. The scenery will change. Nothing else is changing. Because the same you will be looking in a different mirror when you brush your teeth. There's not going to be another you in Cape Town or another you in Bloomfield Tate or another you. I have found, because I started in Lady Brand. When I went to Bloomington, I was waiting for myself when I looked in the mirror. Then I came to Pretoria and I saw myself in the mirror. Johannesburg, I saw myself in the mirror. You're not gonna find yourself anywhere. Oh, if we go overseas, we can start all over again. With what? You're taking yourself with, Jenny. Same you. That's driving your husband nuts. We'll go drive him nuts in New Zealand. You're not suddenly going to become this compliant, gentle Mary. Same you. Same you. Sometimes the kids that God blessed you with that irritates and frustrates you shows you who you truly are. Selfish. Self-centered. I'm talking to people who are not parents. <laughs> Where are we going, bro? Definitely not to clubs. Okay, I haven't started, but I have to finish. He says, I have seen the God. Listen now, listen, pay attention. Will you study law, medicine, uh, engineering, architecture, teaching? Or whether you just want to marry a, a man 
so you don't have to work. My word, Jesus help us. I tell you what, I'm going to ever say something I shouldn't say. Um, you people that fight for women's rights, etc. God created male, female, evil. Ah, evil. Equal. <laughs> so, so some girls go to university just to find a man so they don't have to work. that the extent of your vision? Lord, give me a man. Give me a man. A man. A man with money. I just want a man that's going to make a lot of money because I saw my mother struggling. I know I'm going to struggle. I just want a man that can pay the bills. That your vision? That who you are? Now respect if God's called you to raise your children and you take full responsibility to raise those kids, etc. But remember those kids are going to leave home and your husband intellectually will outgrow you so far that when the kids are out of their house, the two of you will have nothing to talk about. Uh-huh. I'm 58 years old. I know what I'm talking about, okay? He doesn't want to come home every night and listen to conversation. Come on, brothers, help me. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about, come on, say amen. Be honest here, okay? Okay, don't worry. He came, he came from Bluvenade to find a wife here in Pretoria, so he's safe. And we're looking after him. We're looking after him. So, uh, your vision, your dream. Um, if it's not God's plan for your life, it's going to cause a lot of heartache. And if it's premature, it's like building a building and not allowing the concrete to mature and you put weight on it, the building breaks, collapses. So maturity takes time and the greater the call of God is upon your life, the greater the preparation will be. And the more selective you have to be with the company you keep. If young people can just get that, you have to be selective. I thank God I got saved at a young age and at a young age, age I wised up. I stopped running with my drinking friends, my drinking buddies, my fluking buddies. I thank God. I, I, wrote, I brought them to church. They weren't interested in God. And that was it. I never left them. They left me. I thank God today that I chose right. And I mean, the church was a little place of 90 people. The girls and they were all ugly. In those days, pretty girls never came to church like you people. So you couldn't even see a girl in church and think, well, there was no distraction. Not like for young people today. So thank God. So he says, listen, I have to close. He says, I've seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. God-given. He has made everything beautiful in its time, which is His time. Also, He has put eternity in their hearts that you realize 
that everything you do on this earth has eternal value. That's why don't you, don't, you don't waste your life, the years that you have. You maximize your life because time is your most valuable asset. I think many people have not learned that. But one day as a businessman, when God graces you and blesses you, you will understand how important time is. The time you are wasting, the time that you are not studying, the time that you are playing rather than being the best in your class to get the scholarship, to get the bursary, to be one of the top three students that will get the job. It's part of your skin color. Because your color doesn't determine who you can be. Your background doesn't determine who you can be. You determine who you can be. You can be the Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, the top performer. So stop messing around. You can study at candlelight and get seven distinctions. Because you take your life serious, you take yourself serious, and you use the pain of your childhood to project you into a glorious future. You don't become a victim of your yesterday, a victim of your circumstances, a victim of your surrounding, while the child that lives on a fancy estate and the mama and papa drives fancy cars and, and puts money down in their pockets and they go snort cocaine and they go drink every week. Hey, you're gonna outshine them. You're gonna come from the squatter camp and those people will work for you one day while they mess around and play around. You take yourself serious and you take life serious and you believe that you are better. You are better than what the world has to offer. You rise above, you will be 10 times better and you will be occupied with God while they are messing around in the estates. One day you'll build a business and you will hire them because they're gonna mess up their daddy's business because they have no character, zero. Easy come, easy go. There's no easy. That's why we see all these young sportsmen implode. 21 years old and they get millions of dollars. They implode, they can't handle it. Can't handle it. They have success beyond their character. And the world makes them icons. Young preachers all over America that are imploding one after the other because people celebrated their talent, placed them on big platforms before they were matured. Sometimes people say, why don't you give young people an opportunity, man? There's your opportunity, go into the world. Your day will come when you have enough substance, enough weight, your time will come in the name of Jesus because all your talk shifts nothing. If you can't shift one person, you're not gonna shift 10. If you can't shift 10, you're not gonna shift 100. If you can't shift 100, you're not gonna shift 1,000. Grow your measure, grow your substance, grow your influence. You don't start a company as a salesman and suddenly you have 100 people wanting to do business with you. You might have one person do business with you. That one will become two, will become five, will become 10. If you walk in integrity, but you have no right to be sad and depressed because after a year in business, you're not a millionaire. Grow up, man. You need a hiding. Your daddy never put you over his knee and gave you a spanking because it's forbidden by the law. But thank God I still could do that. So I knocked the nonsense out of my children. I didn't abuse them, I slapped the hell out of them. 
on their bottoms. Why do you think God, don't put this on camera now. Why do you think God gave you this? Huh? Why? Just to sit on. There's a divine connection from year to year. Divine. Quit the Bible here. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Bible says in beating his bum, not abusing him, you will save his soul from hell. You're a generation that you don't know what discipline is. That's why I got ticked off this morning. I say sit down and young people think they can come here disrespectful. You disrespect me, you, you, you will be disrespected back. You don't come here with your disorder. Let me tell you very clearly. You may have disorder at your school, but yeah, you'll, this is a place of order. And if you can't listen to me, you'll have one opportunity to listen and then you won't come back here. That's it. Tell me these people come from an environment where there's no discipline. It's not my problem. We'll discipline you quickly. Sit on your cell phone and text a girlfriend while you sit here. You can be grateful that we, we, can't, we won't break your cell phone because it's against the law. Word of, so that level of disrespect to God's Word, you're obviously going nowhere in life. Nowhere. Don't need a rocket science to know that. Disrespectful to God's Word. You don't even have a future. You don't live by instinct. You're not an animal. You're created in God's image. Time that you respect yourself as created in God's image. And to stop being governed by your instincts and begin to act intelligent. Because every human being is created equal. Intelligently in the image of God. Your lack of self-worth is your choice because nobody can make you feel inferior without your consent. I mean, I walk as Mr. Peach Pink into meetings where there's not a white Peach Pink person like me, yes, the same way black people are discriminated against. I walk into these political circles, sometimes religious circles, and people talk down on me. I don't allow that, I have a voice. You can treat me like I'm a nobody. I know I'm a somebody. You're not going to minimize me because you don't like white people. And now I'm going to sit in a corner somewhere and say, I'm never going to go back again because they don't like white people. Hey, it's your problem. I like myself and I'm going to be loud and I'm going to disrupt you and I'm going to upset you. And you're going to listen that there's a voice in this peach pink person, whether you like it or not. But I'm not going to be sidelined because I'm suddenly a minority. Spot the white in a meeting. Okay, back to the message. It says he's made everything beautiful in its time. You marry in God's timing. And if you're dating a girl that you're not marrying, you are gonna marry, you're dating somebody else's wife. What the heck is wrong with you? need a girlfriend. Really? 
<laughs> what are you, a carnal thing? Huh? There's one purpose to date, it's to see if you're compatible to marry. There's no, you don't have to clap, just listen. Because you're going to clap now and then you're going to walk out and you're going to go fray somebody. I say this to young people that jump from relationship to relationship. Listen to me very carefully. When you marry, you're the same person. You're not suddenly going to be content with that one girl, but you've had 10 girlfriends in the last year. You first have to just have a season where you withdraw from all relationships, get whole, find yourself, and then become the person that is ready. Same for girls. If you're always having another boyfriend, you're talking to 10 people on social media. What are you doing? What are you doing? Because you're not going to stop it when somebody puts a ring on your finger. You're going to be the same person. So sometimes loneliness is the best thing for you. Not being in a relationship is the best thing for you. Because God's going to prepare you for the right person in Jesus' name. Not you testing every car that you possibly can. I mean, kissing every girl that you possibly can to see how they kiss. No, no. You better get serious about your life. And that means get serious about yourself. That means discover yourself. That means find yourself. That means you're not going to go the way like Samson. I want that one. I want this way. I don't want to be alone. You have to go beyond that, friend. You have to go beyond that. You have to cast yourself on the rock because that's a weakness in you that's going to hijack your future. You have to be able to be alone and content in the presence of God. And then I'll tell you, God's going to bring the right person and you will be happy and you will be whole because marriage is not two halves that make a whole. Marriage is a whole and a whole, not a person with a hole in his soul, a whole person and a whole person. So if you date a girl and you, and, you, and you think about marrying that girl, ask her how many boyfriends she's had in the last year or three years. Then go on her social media. Actually go on her social media before you ask her that. And if she's had 10 boyfriends, because you know, everybody's on social media. So before you even date her, Go on her social media. And if she's hanging out at this party with a guy that's half naked, and then she's hanging out at this party with another guy, and she's hanging out over there, she's not a candidate to date until she repents and she becomes a church girl and she becomes a godly woman. She's not a candidate that you want to date. Are you listening to me? And the same for the girls. You go on that brother's social media. You go watch his social media. It's going to tell you who he is. Otherwise, he's going to mess you up. Or she's going to mess you up. Okay? Seen too many beautiful church girls, especially taken out by players. Because church girls are easy. Yeah, ooh, church girls are easy. Yeah, you better believe it. Because you're clueless, you're not street smart. That makes you an easy target. That's why I defended my girls with my hands, these fists, my head, 
gave one guy a Liverpool kiss. One guy. Smashed his head into a wall. Yeah, I did. You got a problem? Come speak it to me. I speak it to other people. We sort out the problem. We deal with the problem. We deal with problems. Because we can see, we can see. I just love you, that's why I talk to you like this, because you're all like my children. And I want to see you finish your life, and I want to see you live a great life, okay? You're like my children in the Lord. I'll talk to you truthfully. Amen. Remember, Satan is a trophy hunter. The guy that, hallelujah, is the loudest, be the, be the most cautious of him. And of course, the lo and behold girls. <laughs> Amen. You have to value yourself. You have to respect yourself. You have to love yourself. You have to know yourself. I'm not getting to my message tonight in any case. Because only then will you be able to progress in life. And there's only way, one way for that. And that's an encounter with Jesus. And then an, a regular encounter with Jesus. And there are different levels of encounters that we need with Jesus Christ. There's not just the encounter of salvation. There's the encounter of sanctification. There's the encounter of refinement, purification. There are encounters where, where, where He puts things in us. There are encounters where He takes things from us. These honest conversations are things that have to happen all the time. Otherwise, you stagnate. And if you do not deal with certain things, the worst version of you begins to grow and show up. And you then become the hijacker, if that's an English word. I haven't made a new English word for a long time. You become the hijacker. I hope there's no word like that. Of your own future. Not the devil. You. Because he... When you get into His presence, He says you are complete, but He knows you intimately. He's acquainted with your thoughts, your emotions, your experiences, your entire life. That's why nobody else can build into you what only He can. But He's not going to do it in a comfortable setting. He will get your attention and stir you. Then it's you that like Jacob has to press in or like Moses, you have to see the fire and you have to have that conversation. And you'll see everybody in the Bible, David who defeated Goliath. I mean, he had his conversation with God by himself. Abraham had his conversation with God 25 years before the dream is fulfilled. Moses, 40, 45 years, actually 85 years before his dream is fulfilled. When he's called, he's 85 years old to deliver the children of Israel. And then he still makes excuses. Think about Joseph, 16 years, Paul the Apostle. I mean, people get saved today. They're 23 years old. They call themselves an apostle. And I think... Apostle of what? What are you doing? Apostle is a father. 
an apostle is the most mature ministry in the church. It's not a title. God said, I'm an apostle. What? Do you even know what you're saying? It's like a, a two-year-old medical student that says, I'm a super specialist. I'm a, a specialist of all specialists. That's what an apostle is. There are very few people that ever have the right to stand in that office because it's a very mature office, sacred, reserved by Christ. You don't call yourself a prophet. P-R-O-F-I-E-T, yes. But a prophet takes time. Every young person today is prophet this, prophet that, prophet that. It's nowhere in the Bible. Paul for 14 years, listen. When he has in his encounter with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, we know. He disappears for 14 years. This is the Apostle Paul into the wilderness. Go read your Bible. He initially shares his testimony. Then he disappears. He's off scene, out of the public eye for 14 years where Jesus teaches him. He's caught up to the third heaven. He, God gives him the revelation of Christ, your identity, grace, justification, etc., etc. Two-thirds of the book in the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul, spending 14 years with God. After his encounter with Christ, listen, he doesn't come as an arrogant man. He's taught by Christ. Jesus shows him things he's taught in heaven. He, in, a, in the Spirit, He goes up to the heaven and He says, I, see th- I saw things that I'm not permitted to talk about. Today, people say, I went to hell and this is what Jesus said. I went to heaven. This is what Jesus said. What the heck are you talking about? The Apostle Paul, 14 years, he's in the wilderness and he comes back as a teacher. He's not even in an office of a prophet. Acts chapter 13, he steps into the office of a prophet. Now we're talking about something like 17 years in his journey as one of the most learned men that understood the the law, the Old Testament. And now he understands he has an encounter. But before he shares the revelation with the Gentiles, he goes to the apostles and the leaders of the church in Jerusalem and he submits that revelation to them. He's not just buys a microphone, goes his way, sprints a ministry card and calls himself an apostle. How foolish today. I mean, I go to meetings, everybody's an apostle. I'm a pastor. And my ministry is bigger than any one of them and all of them put together. And they all call themselves prophets and apostles and bishop and apostle prophet and this is Mr. Apostle and the wife is prophet this or apostle prophet. What a load of baloney. What a load of nonsense that people carry titles upon titles upon titles. Say amen tonight, come on. Because you are impressed by people you should not be impressed by. You follow people that are baby, that are, that are immature, because you have no understanding of God's way of spiritual tutoring and mentorship. It takes years and years and years to develop a father in the body of Christ. That's why it's always, the, your leaders are always a generation ahead of you. You can never be led into the promised land by your own generation. I'm going to say it again. You can never be led into the promised land by your own generation. The generation that has gone before you will empower you, but they will lead you into your promised land. So people say, we're a church for the youth. Well, you're not going anywhere. I'm sorry to tell you, you're not going anywhere. Because the Bible says one generation will teach the next generation. Because you learn through the experience of that generation. When you're 25 years old, you may have an anointing, you may have a word of knowledge, but your character 
is still lacking. We need maturity in you. We need to get rid of the cracks that's going to appear 10 years from now. We need to deal with your character. We have to build you now so that when you're that businessman, you're a businessman of integrity. Are you listening to me, young person? I know you don't like what you hear, but you can say amen, okay? So it, it, it is a, it, self-evaluation is a difficult thing because it's going to lead to two places. The one is it... I don't know why people do this because for me it's a very positive thing to go look in the mirror, see the spots and clean the spots. So self-evaluation for me is a very positive thing. I like it. I don't feel like, oh, I'm unworthy. I'm not good enough. Why do people do that? Self-evaluation is a healthy thing or Christ-evaluation. Call it whatever you like with your uh, little spiritual terms. Um, Where you actually go and you see this is not working and you trust God to fix it and you get desperate and you become renewed and rebuilt so God can put layers upon you again I'll say this closing the longer you wait the less possible it is that you're going to have that encounter because the more you're consumed by life and comfort the longer you wait to be broken, the less likely it is. That's why God always visits a young generation. And part of that message is that you come to the fire and you lay your life down and you lose yourself so that you can become the generation that God calls you to be. Because once you're over a certain age, except if your name is Mo Moses, different story. Very difficult for people that are self-made to lose themselves in Christ again. We don't look at ourselves and we feel unworthy. We look at ourselves and we see our shortcomings. And then we look to Him who wants to make us complete. And our hunger and our desperation to be everything He called us to be is what takes us to that place of purification, of sanctification, of making you who He wants you to be for His purpose as we saw. So if your emotions and your feelings are still controlling you and you still act like a spoiled brat, sorry for that. No, I'm not. That if you can't get what you want, you throw your toys out of the cot. You are spiritually a two-year-old. You're like a two-year-old. I want it and I want it now. And if you can't get it, you throw your toys out of the cart. I have a word for you. Grow the heck up. Grow up. No clap better than that. Grow up. Because there's a lot of things that, you, that you're not going to get that you think you're deserving of. It doesn't matter. Brush it off. And just realize, maybe you're not ready for it. Maybe it wasn't meant for you. But God will make all things perfect in His time. If, condition, we work with His grace and with His process. Because sometimes His timing never unfolds because we stop it. Because we're unwilling to yield to the process. Sometimes we cause the delay in the journey because we're not working with Him. Because we're not going to the place 
of purification. Spirit, soul, body, emotions, etc. Where only God can work with you. And my friend, that should be every Christian's desire. I must decrease, he must increase. More of thee, less of me, etc. Because if it is Christ that is in you, he's going to reflect his glory through you then you're not going to be able to fail and you're not going to be able to flounder and you're not going to be able to live with excuses because now we're talking about the life that God called you to live, which is the Christ life. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me and the life I now live. I live by the faith of the Son of God. That means you have to die so that Christ can live. There's no other way. No matter what the world portrays and says, easy, quickly, Live it up. Three steps, seven points. Go to a seminar. It's not going to help. Another prophecy. No. Get yourself in the presence of God. Get yourself in that conversation. Stay in that process. Stay in the press. Because there are things that God's called some ministers to do. They've never done it. And they're never going to do it. Because they never allowed God to put them in the press. So God will have to find somebody else to do what God called them to do. That's just a fact. Same with business people that are called to finance the kingdom. You lose your purpose, your assignment, God will raise somebody else up. God will raise up a David in the place of Saul. God is not God give you a God give you a But you have to get back to Jesus. You lost the plot, you get back to Jesus. You broke yourself, you get back to Jesus. You messed up, you get back to Jesus. You got character flaws, you get back to Jesus. There's your answer. There's your solution. There's your wholeness. There's your healing. There's no shortcut. There's no sideways, side journey, um, impressing everybody. It's not going to work. You get serious with God. And that process we'll talk about next week. Salvation is easy. The process is challenging. The journey is challenging. But you live dependent upon God's grace. It is easy if you have died to yourself. I want every head bowed, every eye closed, no one moving, please, in this place. Yeah, even beautiful girls, you have to die. The mooi poppie daar in die kaapie in die vrystaat in Pretoria. Ek bedoel het nie lelik of nie raalend nie. You're a spirit first. You have to cast yourself upon the rock. Your daddy can't cast you there. His name is not Abraham. You have to sacrifice yourself. You have to throw yourself on Jesus. You have to break on that rock yourself. I don't know why people are so resistant to this. I just don't get it. Because my whole journey was one that if God spoke to me, I would throw myself in God's presence and cry for mercy and and, and, and ask God to do whatever He has to do. There's no way for this generation to change this world without what I'm saying tonight. It's not going to happen. Your smarts and your sharps will not do it. It will play a part after you've broken. You're sitting here tonight, the floor, the balcony there in Bloemfontein in Johannesburg, in Port of Struam, in Port Elizabeth, in Vintuk, Gabrone, Bethlehem, Peter Maritzburg, Durban, wherever you are tonight, God's talking to you. Tonight you're sitting here as a young person and you say, Pastor, I've not been serious about my life, my future, my destiny. I've heard you tonight. I don't think my life is right with God. I've never given my life to Jesus. Or maybe at one time you did, but you've grown cold. 
There's a heaven to gain, there's a hell to shun. It's appointed for men once to die, then the judgment. We will all appear before Christ one day. Jesus came and now He's not your judge but your Savior. And I'll tell you that you can't secure your future by yourself. You have to find the Christ. Like Andrew, when he found Jesus, he went back to Peter. He says, I have found the Christ. The woman at the well of Samaria ran back to the village and said, could this be the man? I have found what I'm looking for. Have you found Jesus truly? Not a religion. Have you found Him? Have you found that pearl of great price? Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Maybe you're sitting here tonight. If you had to die, you don't know where you would spend eternity. And this is a real issue. Maybe you serve God, but like the prodigal son, you've grown cold. You've wandered away from your father's house. Maybe tonight you say, I don't have peace with Jesus. I need a new beginning. I've lost my way. It happens. It happens. I think every believer, most believers, have to come back to God and have to come to their senses a few times in their life. I really do believe that. And if you don't, it's like your conscience becomes seared and you just go your merry way, eventually you fall away. Tonight God's talking to many of you to get your heart right with God, to get your heart back with God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Forget your friends. This is your journey with God where you give yourself back to Jesus. Tonight in this place, you say, Pastor, there in Johannesburg, in Pretoria, in all the other churches tonight, you say, Pastor, that's me. I need a, I need a fresh start with God. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. If that is the cry of your heart, quietly, wherever you are, just slip up your hand. I want to say a prayer for you before we close this service. Lift your hand up high all over this place tonight. Say, yes, include me in that prayer tonight. Thank you, God. Bless you, bless you, God. Bless you, God. Bless you. Many hands. Lift your hand now in Jesus' name. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Come back to Jesus tonight. Come back to Jesus tonight. Come on. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you, bless you, bless you. Let's make you a bad person. Ek het kerk toe gegaan elke hand gebid. Heere, vergeef my genadiglik al my sondes om my naam so bol. Geen verhouding met die Heere gehad nie en geen besef gehad van waar die lewe gaan nie. Dat jou lewe nie oor jou gaan nie, maar jou lewe is oor Godse doel vir jou lewe. Dis dit. Dis die einde van die dag. Die rest is een gejaag na wind. Maak die saak belangrik jou by die aarde is nie. Salomo sê, alles is een gejaag na wind. Jy kan hy wind nie vang nie. Jy kom daar, daar niks. Leeg. Meer geld los jou leeg. Nog een huis, nog een kar, nog een verhouding gaan nie die spaas in jou hart vul nie, net Jesus kan, wil jy die geleentheid gee om die spaas hier te vul vanavond, dier jou hart vir die Heere te gee jy het nog nie hand opgetaan, en God praat met jou, jy is een woeling hier binnenkant, is die heilige geest wat met jou praat, kom daar in die kaal daar in die vrystaat, Bloemfontein God praat met jou vanavond jy is nie hier per toeval nie, God het jou gebring vanavond, God brought you to this place, and this is your night to get right with God you've not yet raised your hand before I pray quickly slip your hand in the air, slip it up, unashamedly, thank you, God bless you, bless you, God 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 bless you, He loves you, why do you think the Bible, after the Bible says, by grace you are saved through faith, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, verse 10 says, for we are, He is workmanship, recreated in Christ for good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in it, we are His workmanship. Another word says we are His handiwork. We all need God to work on us. None of us are born perfect. We need God to work on us all the time. All of us. 
you never become Mr. Miss Perfect. That's why we always come into the church and we worship God and um, we allow God to talk to us and we yield to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. That is the process of sanctification. And when God prompts us, we yield so that we can grow more like Jesus because transformation is into the image of Christ. So although you, you are radiant and God says to Abraham, I'm going to bless you and give you a great name, there's a purpose to it. And this whole thing about times and seasons is about God's purpose ultimately for your life. So if you understand purpose, you can rest in the timing of God because God will get you where God wants you to be in the right time for His purpose and for His glory. If it's your purpose and your glory, you will live a life of frustration. That's why there has to come a place of yieldingness, yieldedness. Like David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. I mean, when we talk about prosperity, it is because prosperity is needed to alleviate poverty. But there's no scripture in the Bible that says every Christian will be rich. It's, it's a wrong doctrine. It doesn't exist. The Bible talks about rich and poor. Even the New Testament. So God doesn't want His people poor. But there's no doctrine in the New Testament that says you follow Christ and you'll become a billionaire. The Bible says those who want to be rich fall into many sorrows and pierce themselves through with many hurtful things because they pursue the riches of this world. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Meaning, God will do you right, if that's the right way to say it in English. God will take care of you. You seek His kingdom first. You live a purpose-driven life, then God will take you in His time, in what He has for you. Progress is inevitable if you follow Jesus Christ. But process is exactly that. Progress, progress is, is a process. It takes time. So you have to rest in God's timing and you have to work with God's timing. Understand the seasons of preparation, purification, refinement, so that you can, listen, become the man, the woman that God can use ultimately. The mother that is complete before you have your children. Not the mother that is still the spoiled little girl so that when you have children, you're irritated by your children. Hmm. Hmm. Because me, me must die so Christ can live. Amen. And the Christ life is what? A selfless life. Not a self-centered life. Where no matter what, you know it's going to be okay. You weather the storm. You go through the pain because you've been there before. And you don't lose your purpose, which is to redeem mankind back to God. There's your purpose.
The minute it's all about me, me. I don't get the job I want, I'm unhappy. I don't get the money I want, I'm unhappy. I don't get the girlfriend I want, I'm unhappy. It's, it's, it's a bad place. It's, 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 it's not the gospel. It's not Christianity. Everything about our lives is, is purpose to follow Christ and to follow the, the example of Christ who took upon himself the form of a servant. Amen. So think about that girl that you date. Whose wife are you busy kissing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, young men. Put your hand on your heart. Pray with me all over. Pray with me, everybody. Come pray with me there in your seat as well tonight. Come on, Jesus is here. Say this tonight. Say, Jesus, I give you full access to my life, to my heart. I want to please you. I want to live for you. I want to make you proud. I want to stand before you on that day and hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. So I give my life, every aspect, back to you. I open my heart and I invite you to take your rightful place as my Lord, as my Savior. I believe with all my heart you died for my sin. I believe you rose from the grave and I believe you are alive. Tonight, I receive you as my living Savior and I thank you that from tonight you will lead me and you will guide me through your precious Holy Spirit that your will for my life will come to pass. I surrender all to you. And I thank you. From tonight, there is a special grace upon my life to rest in your time. I trust you, God. I believe you hold my future in the palm of your hand. And even at, at times when I don't understand, I choose to believe, God, you are in control and you will make all things beautiful in your time. I thank you and I give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Come on, give him praise, everybody in this place. Hallelujah. We hope you received exactly what God had in store for you from this week's message. If you have been touched by our ministry, you can help us achieve our mandate and win the lost at any cost by visiting our website at crcchurch.com. Thanks again for listening and God bless.